If you're a diehard fight fan and you've been looking for like-minded diehard fight fans, welcome to the family. This is Coster's Cage, giving fans insight and analysis and featuring guest appearances from the UFC's biggest stars, past and present, as well as the very latest UFC news. This is Coster's Cage, and here's your host, Dan Coster. Welcome to episode number 16 of Coster's Cage, UFC 264 recap. Here we are, and there's a boatload of news to talk about and recap, so let's get right into it. Starting with the first fight of the night, not much to talk about here between Zalgas Zumagulov and Jerome Rivera. A sick choke wrapped up from Zumagulov here. Rivera, 0-4 now in the UFC. He will likely be cut, not spending too much time on that fight. Armari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares, wrestler versus striker here, with Akhmedov being the wrestler. Does possess some power in his right hand, but he isn't known for his striking, right? Tavares has great takedown defense, and he proved it here again. Just showed great balance. Akhmedov just 2 for 9 on takedowns. Tavares tied with Anderson Silva for second most victories in UFC middleweight history with 14. And now is the second most significant strikes in UFC middleweight history. Now a lot of that's due to, you know, going to decision and compiling those numbers. But nonetheless, very impressive. He's seen as a top 15 gatekeeper type of guy, right? But those stats were surprising. This was his 20th fight. Very underrated, in my opinion, is Brad Tavares. Next fight, Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Maya coming off the loss to Valentina, where her stock probably went up, right? Because she got around on Valentina. Who does that? Whoever wins around versus Valentina? Jennifer Maya did. She gets Jessica I here. Now, this was a super close fight. Could have won either way. I thought Maya landed the harder shots, though. I thought she should have went for some takedowns, uh, Maya that is, because she would have ran through Jessica I on the ground in my opinion. I has now lost three in a row, has a losing record in the UFC, also has a nice gash on her forehead, and there's a lot of red on that topology page. I don't know if she's going to be cut, but man, she's she's close to getting cut. Trevin Giles for Strickus Duplessis. Giles looks super relaxed, right? Came in, hands down, bouncing around on both his feet. Not sure you want to do that versus a guy who's never seen the scorecards before in Duplessis and is a finishing machine. Duplessis has some big-time power. Two knockouts now in his first two UFC fights. He's going to get an interesting name next time out for sure. Duplessis not only has big-time power, right? He could submit you as well, and he ran right through Giles on the mat. Took his back numerous times in that first round. Got into full mount with ease. I mean, this guy looks impressive. Perhaps a big future ahead for Duplessis. Next fight, Ryan Hall versus Ilya Taporia. Hall is obviously a great grappler. Nobody wants to fight this guy. He has a very weird fighting style, right? Just tumbling and rolling around in there trying to snatch up an ankle or a leg. But would it hurt to try a takedown Ryan Hall? Or learn one maybe? Learn a takedown attempt? I mean, come on. Taporia, I'm really high on this kid, like everyone else is. This was his toughest test, and he passed it. Didn't get wrapped up in one of Ryan Hall's submissions. Stayed the course, stayed composed, and hammered some big-time ground and pound for the KO. Perfect timing on it. I like what I saw from Taporia. He was never flustered. He's going to get a big name, too, coming up here in, in his next fight, I'm sure. Next up, Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira. This one was a banger, but Nico couldn't really get it going. Looked a, a little slower than Michelle here. Michelle outstruck Nico. He also mixed in three takedowns. Now, 
The crazy part of this fight was when Michelle did a damn backflip and got into mount. Not sure how that happens. It did seem like during the backflip that Nico got hit in the head with a foot, which would have been an illegal strike since Nico was on his back, right, laying down on the ground. But goes on scene for whatever reason. I saw Nico actually protest right as it happened. He looked at the ref. Nothing happened from it. Michelle Pajara now has won three in a row very quietly. Perhaps a ranked fighter coming up for him. As for Nico Price, he's in a bit of a skid right now. The fans love him, but maybe he just needs a softball thrown to him in his next fight to really ride the ship because he's faced some studs, man. Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque had the draw versus Cowboy that looks pretty bad right now, and now this loss, he needs he needs a gimme in his next fight. Carlos Condit versus Max Griffin. Max Griffin, I mean, he sawed off Ramiz Brahimaj's ear in a win back in November of last year. This guy was maybe in danger of losing his job, having lost four out of his last five at the time. Since then, he beat Brahimaj, like I just said, knocks out Son Keenan, riding a nice little win streak here, gets Carlos Condit. Condit has very bad takedown defense. I mean very bad. 38% takedown defense. Griffin, not known as a wrestler, but he can take you down. He didn't in round one because he was excelling on the feet, and he looked really good. Got a knockdown and almost ended up finishing the fight. Second round, Griffin looked slower. Condit started to come on. Third round, back and forth, and with a little more than a minute left in the fight, it's anybody's fight. Griffin finally goes for the takedown, gets it with ease, scores the takedown, locks up the win. The takedowns were there all fight. Gets the one that mattered most at the end here, ultimately securing him the victory. Three in a row now for Max Payne Griffin. On to the main card we go. Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Chris Moutinho. Now, when you're a minus 1,000 favorite, you should knock the guy out in the first round. But this kid, Chris Moutinho, man, he just kept eating these shots, and he ate O'Malley's best. He kept constant pressure. I mean, constant pressure on Sean. And O'Malley did not like that, man. He did not like that. He didn't think that was going to happen. He kept looking up at the clock, which I didn't like at all. It showed that Mutino's pressure was getting to him and perhaps tiring him out a little. But one of the reasons why Mutino didn't really go out cold in this fight was because he kept coming forward. He had O'Malley fighting backwards, right? So O'Malley was never really coming forward in this fight. O'Malley couldn't really sit on his punches because he was punching off his back foot, right? He O'Malley did a lot of uh, evading circling in this fight and kept you know countering the pressure of Moutinho obviously O'Malley looked sensational countering and his feints and everything that he does made the performance look like a masterclass, right but for Moutinho when you have the constant pressure not a lot of guys are willing to eat those shots and that's what gave him a so-called chance in this fight because if he would have just stayed there and stood in the middle of the octagon he would have been slept within the first three minutes of the fight but O'Malley just picked this dude apart. 230 of 318 significant strikes. Just absurd. Mutino really was a punching bag here that just kept coming forward. I mean, Sugar Sean had 230 significant strikes. That's the most in a UFC bantamweight fight. And how about this stat? The most significant strikes ever landed in a UFC bantamweight round. Here is the top five. Sugar's third round versus Mutino, 83. Sugar's first round versus Mutino, 77. Luke Sanders is third with 75. Sugar's round two versus Mutino with 70. And rounding out the top five is Eljamain Sterling. He had 64. That is insane, man. Every round was basically a record-breaking round. 
um, significant strike-wise. Just insane. Now, I do think the stoppage was BS. I mean, Herb Dean, I'm not sure what you're doing here. It didn't make much sense to me. Herb randomly says, fight back. Then he stops the fight, like, right away. Just bizarre, to say the least. I mean, there's 30 seconds left in the fight. Just let him finish. He wasn't out or wobbled right at the moment. He took a ton of damage, Mutino did. It just didn't make any sense. Now, was he going to win the fight? No. But, come on, let the kid finish. Um, I, I'm glad Mucino got 75k for fight of the night. Now, the call-out of Rob Font. I mean, why would Rob Font take that fight? He's ranked third right now. Owes O'Malley absolutely nothing. It's smart to call him out from O'Malley's end, right? Because he's not a wrestler. Rob Font can't wrestle, or he's, he hasn't shown to be a, a dominant wrestler, right? And that's what can beat O'Malley, right? The wrestling, the heavy wrestling approach can beat O'Malley, or so we think that could beat O'Malley. So O'Malley would jump the whole division if he could just beat Rob Font. But I don't think it works like that. I don't think it's going to happen. And the funny thing is, out of all this, is you can make the case that Mutino's stock rose more than O'Malley's did. Just because Sugar didn't get the finish earlier, you could question it shouldn't have even been stopped. You could also question it should have been stopped earlier, like Dana White, which, I mean, my argument to that would be when. You're just going to stop it in the middle of a combination. You know what I mean? I, I don't understand that. Sugar was a minus 1,000 favorite. I know Mutino was a zombie, and I know Sugar pieced him up. But that's what should happen. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a minus 1,000 favorite. Big props to Mutino. What a dog. One week notice to show up like that in your UFC debut in that type of a spot on a McGregor pay-per-view card. Uh, just big-time props, man. What a dog. Can't count out, though, obviously, the masterclass of sniping that Sugar Sean O'Malley just put on, though. Next fight, Irene Aldana versus Yana Kunitskaya. Aldana, really good boxing right. Landed a sweet hook on Yanni here, and that was history. Followed it up with some big ground and pound. First round knockout. Now, she missed weight bad by four or five pounds, and somehow, somehow, Dana White had no idea of that. I don't know how that's possible. We'll see what happens with Aldana, right? She's kind of in a weird spot as it comes to the top five. Right before this fight, Holly Holmes smoked her. Holly Holmes ranked second. Nunez is the champ. Kind of a, a lid on her ceiling right now for Aldana, but good win nonetheless. Got to correct that weight issue going forward, but... Next fight, I was super excited for this fight. Taito Ivasa versus Greg Hardy. Hardy said he wanted to bang with Taito Ivasa all week in his interviews. And that just is not a smart thing to do. Taito Ivasa has a cast iron chin. The guy can get hit with a fire hydrant and it wouldn't knock him out. Ty got a little stanky leg from Greg, right? Right before Ty's knockout. He was a little wobbled. He was there, but he was a little wobbled. But Ty just has a chin of steel, man. This guy doesn't go down. He's super fun to watch. He's won three in a row. He's doing shoeies. The fans love that, right? Not for me personally. I think it's pretty freaking gross drinking out of somebody's shoe, especially five times, however many times he did it. But he's probably going to get a top 15 guy next. As for Greg Hardy, I mean, he has all the tools, right? I think he could become a pretty decent heavyweight. He's a massive guy. He's athletic. He definitely has power. He's just so raw and green and inexperienced. And the inexperience showed in this fight. His gas tank is always a question as well. He's lost two in a row now. Probably the top 15 guys in Tibera and Tuivasa. But he's just learning on the job at the highest level. And that's not an easy thing to do. Especially at heavyweight, you know. Ring time isn't always as easy to come by, right? Because one punch power in the heavyweight division, you're, you're done. You're done just like that. It'll be interesting to see if they feed him a can 
next time out or what they want to do with Greg Hardy. Do they want to get him back on track? Do they want to feed him to somebody? You know, we'll see what happens with Greg Hardy. He needs more experience, though, like I said. And uh, his inexperience showed in this fight by wanting to bang with tie to Avasa, which you just should not ever want to do. Co-main event here, Wonderboy versus Gilbert Burns. I had Wonderboy here along with a ton of people that I saw backing Wonderboy. I really didn't see anybody back Burns all week. You know, I thought Wonderboy can stop the takedown because he has great takedown defense, right? And Gilbert's not really known for his takedowns. So I thought, you know, Wonderboy would be able to stop the takedown, pick Gilbert apart from the outside and at range, just like Wonderboy always does. But it wasn't the case here. Burns had a smart game plan, a boring one, but smart, to try and take Wonderboy down, which is no easy task, right? And he did it three times, a career high in takedowns for Burns. I don't think really anybody saw that coming. Burns called out Masvidal. That's a good fight. As long as he didn't say Usman's name, I'm happy. You know, let's not have another rematch for no good reason, right? Wonderboy, you know, you got to think this is the end when it comes to title aspirations. But you never know. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's his last chance. But you never know. He's still top five, right? Maybe. I mean... You never know, man. One fight, one one big win, and he could be right back in the picture. Like they said on the broadcast, look at Glover Teixeira, 41, fighting for a title. So, we'll see. Now, moving on to the trilogy. Obviously, I have a ton of thoughts here. Some things might get scrambled up because there's so much to talk about. But let's start with the lead-up to this trilogy. I said after the second fight, I could care less about a trilogy, right? Because the buddy-buddy thing was just weird. Honestly, it was weird how nice and friendly, quote-unquote, Connor was being to Dustin. How overly friendly they were. It was, it, was, uh, it was really weird and bizarre. So my thought after that fight, right, when Dustin got the knockout, like I, I really wasn't looking forward to the third fight with it being so friendly, friendly, and buddy-buddy. But things changed, and things changed kind of quick, and McGregor became a shell of himself in the sense that his smack talk has just gotten comically bad. You know, oh, angry Connor, here he is, right? That's what made this fight so juicy and so much more intriguing, in my opinion, than the second fight. And, of course, it being the trilogy, it's going to be more juicy and more more interesting. But Connor's trash talk has gotten comically bad. I mean, he can't make a joke without bringing up somebody's wife, family, religion, whatever it is. It's comically bad. And, you know, when you say that stuff and you have one win since the 1800s, it looks really bad and it's super embarrassing now. The presser, I thought, made Connor just look totally silly and embarrassing. And guess what? He lost the presser and Dustin was just so cool, calm, and collected. You know, I didn't get the people, mostly the Connor fans who were saying this, said Dustin looked nervous. He, he was shaking. I mean, I'm not sure what you were watching. Probably the same people that thought the Julie's your husband thing was funny. I mean, come on, man. Connor tried to get the crowd to say it. The crowd just didn't even repeat it. Connor's trash talk is bad, man. It is bad. It is not funny. He missed on just about everyone. Didn't even have a response to when Dustin said the McGregor sleep line. Everything out of Connor's mouth was just so forced and so cringy. Then after the press conference, right, they face off. Connor obviously has to throw in a kick. You know, can't wait a day or two. He has to throw in a kick misses by the way misses but you know I'm all for trash talk but there's some things that just cross the line and Connor is always crossing the line and then when he loses you know the other guy is unclassy for doing something back to him right like Habib and his team jumping him and all this stuff right like are you kidding me give me a break people come on you know I loved how calm cool and collected and composed Dustin was 
throughout this lead-up. Didn't let anything get to his head. Just brushed off whatever Connor had to say to him. And Connor was mad because it wasn't working. His Connor's Connor's you know pre-fight antics were not working. Now let's get to the fight. Dustin, right? He gets reps at America Top Team, one of the best gyms, if not the best, right? Daily, he gets these reps in daily with the best guys in the world, busting his tail all the time, blood, sweat, and tears in that gym. He's working. That can't be said for Connor. Not a lot of studs coming out of SBG Ireland, right? Connor isn't getting runs with the best of the best. He's pr- he's surrounded by a ton of yes men. You know, nobody's pushing McGregor to be at his best, right? McGregor does what McGregor wants to do. Now, Connor's power isn't as big as it was at 145, at least not against Poirier, right? Poirier can take his best punch. He's shown it two fights in a row now. And if that's the case, I'm not sure how you expect Connor to win. He's not winning a decision. He's not subbing Dustin. All week, I didn't really see a ton of people on Connor. You know, I saw way, way more people on Dustin. Like I said last week, I don't get how Dustin is the dog. And just like that, a few days later, we saw the line flip and have Dustin become the favorite. Now, the narrative, ooh, angry Connor's back, please, man. I think that was extremely forced. All all his kind of, his, his antics were forced, man. It really was. I think it was very forced. Everyone knows I don't like Connor for obvious reasons, but... You know, I, I just felt the whole thing was forced. I thought it was pretty easy to see. Now, Connor, early on in this fight, right, throwing kicks. And they were doing some things, right? But Dustin, early on, was really sitting down on his punches, landing combos with confidence. And then, how about this? Makes Connor clinch up with them. The irony, the irony in that, right? Because Connor, we all know, he said, oh, whoever shoots first is a dusty you-know-what. Connor, guess what? He shot first, technically. Connor then tries for a guillotine. Wasn't really a threat. I mean, obviously, some eyebrows were being raised. Was I sweating? Eh, maybe a little, but I didn't think it was going to happen. Dustin pops out his head, gets into a great position to land some big-time ground and pound, and I mean some really nice blows. And Dustin made it look relatively easy. I mean, all we Connor backers, you know, if Connor wins, it's going to be in the first round or second round because the longer this fight plays out, it would favor Dustin. Well, how about Dustin getting a 10-8 on two judges' scorecards in Connor's round, in the first round, where Connor is supposed to be his best? 10-8, Dustin had over three minutes of control time on the ground. Now, here's a hypothetical. This is a fight. We know how things can change, but if we were forced to put money on someone to win the fight after round one, let's say McGregor's leg is fine, round one ends normal. Your money is... You're putting it on Dustin. There is not a chance in hell you're putting it on McGregor. Now, like I just said, I know it's a fight. Anything can happen. I, I feel pretty confident Dustin Poirier was going to win that fight. Now, Connor's leg. I do think it had to be from Dustin checking his leg, right? But I don't think we will ever know for sure, right? Because, I mean, how do you take a step back and your foot just rolls like that? That I mean, for that to happen and not be previously hurt from something earlier on in the fight would be, I mean, just... Talk about one of the flukiest things ever to happen. I, it had to come from a check. So now, for the people that say, oh, Dustin wins, is this a real win? Yes, it's a, it's a real win. Durability is a part of the sport. I don't want to hear it. Now, Connor was down essentially, you know, two rounds, right, from the first round being a 10-8. He was going to need a knockout if he wanted to beat Dustin here. And guess what? Connor was probably gassed after round one, too. I mean, perfect game plan from Poirier here, taking him down, making it look easy. In Connor's so-called round, right, in round one, just just masterclass from Poirier. And, you know, you take a look at Dustin. He just has more ways to win. 
versus McGregor than McGregor does versus Poirier. You know, he didn't do much with the leg kicks this time around. And that was obviously the story in the second fight. So then what, is, what does Connor do, right, early on in this fight? He comes out throwing leg kicks. Maybe to prove a point. I don't know. But Dustin just takes him down, makes it look easy. And it's funny, you know, Connor's plan A, right, is to strike. But guess what? Plan A wasn't working. And it wasn't working against Poirier. Dustin has a ground game. Dustin has other tools in his toolbox that he could go to, right, to take down route. Probably has better BJJ. What does Connor have right now? He seems to just have striking in one round. And guess what? In that one round, he lost striking. So the best aspects of Connor's game right now are not there, at least for us the top of the top or the best of the best. Now, for Connor to sit there on the canvas with one leg broken and still be talking crap about Dustin's wife and talking this smack, I mean, oh my God, just shut up already, man. It's legit embarrassing. I mean, he's making himself look like a bigger and bigger clown every single time he opens up his mouth. Dustin also said Connor made a gun with his hand and pointing it at his head, acting like Connor was going to kill him or shoot him in the head or something. Obviously, the media won't ever show you that. I mean, Connor's just a total clown. And that's the nicest way I could put it without completely exploding right now. So the other part of the irony here is, you know, Connor was saying, oh, Dustin's going to be taken out on a stretcher. Guess what? Off McGregor went in a stretcher. It's just it's, it's something else. It, it really is just something else. Now, is he setting up another fight with Dustin by talking smack? Sure, but, uh, you know, do we really need a fourth fight? I mean, for the people to say that that's not a good way for the fight to end or it seems unfinished, no, no, no. I'm sorry, what, are we going to have seven fights here until Connor wins one? It's a little ridiculous to me. If Connor wants to fight Dustin again, it won't be for a very long time, right? This injury is going to take time to heal. His first fight back is not going to be against Dustin. That wouldn't be smart, nor I don't think the UFC would do it. You know, Connor Connor's going to need a layup in, in his first fight back, like like the Cowboy Cerrone fight. Somebody like that to lay him up, get the hype back going. But I mean, who 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 honestly really knows? You know, Connor. Dana said, you know, when Connor is ready to go, you do the rematch. I guess I don't know. So lots of uncertainty around the potential fourth fight. You know, there's a ton that has to play out. A ton of unknowns. Obviously, this thing's a long time away from happening if it ever does. Now, do I think Connor comes back and fights again? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, his ego is way too big not to, and he'll fight again. You know, he's losing to Poirier. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end-all be-all. Dustin is a total stud, right? You know, many people have lost to Dustin Poirier. There's really no shame in that. But being at the top five and contending for titles, I mean, I think that's basically done. I mean, Connor has shown next to nothing as to why you should think he could... Con- for a belt again what has he shown you to say in the last five years i think this guy could contend at 155 at the highest level and get a belt back he's shown absolutely nothing he's got one win since 2016 and that came against a donald cerrone who let's be honest has seen better days and that's the nicest way you could put it for cerrone i think money fights are coming the rest of the way for connor diaz trilogy is sitting right there for him whenever he wants it i really can't ever see him fighting for the title again unless Dana pulls some BS and throws him in there for someone like he did with Aldo and Piotr Jan when Jose Aldo was coming off a loss something like that you know I mean things have caught up to McGregor these guys are these other guys in the UFC they're working their tail off every day in the gym it's not like that for McGregor you know he's fallen behind inactivity has caught up to him and you know you look after the fight I mean just look at the way Dustin handled himself after all this went down total class act Handles himself like a champion, unlike Connor, obviously. You know where I stand with that. 
And, you know, his act, Connor's act is old, man. It's old, and it looks really bad when he's losing. And the fact that he can't swallow his losses like a man, you know, it's 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 bad. It, it looks really, really bad. Dustin Poirier, the most knockouts now in UFC lightweight history, also became the third fastest man to reach 20 UFC wins behind John Jones and GSP. Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira is next on the dock for Dustin. That's obviously a sick fight. We'll see if it happens by the end of this year. I don't know. You know, Poirier said he wants some time off. We'll see if we get it by the end of this year. But nonetheless, man, uh, I thought it was a good pay-per-view all around. Great card. Sick finishes, right? We learned some things. And if you haven't listened to my latest interview with Billy Quarantillo, fights this Saturday versus Gabriel Benitez, check that one out. Dope interview. Once again, thank you everybody for listening. Hit me up on Instagram, Costers Cage. Let's go. Peace. You've been listening to Coster's Cage with Dan Coster, bringing diehard fight fans together. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at Coster's Cage. Welcome to the family, and we'll see you soon. See you soon.